Thank you, Father, that we can come together you. around your word. Thank we thank you, you for giving us your only begotten Son. Hallelujah. And we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. He's here to help us, to lead us, and to guide us. Gosh, and we yeah. pray now, Lord, that you will help us oh, yeah. and speak to us and encourage us and strengthen us and restore us. Yes. Because your word is the word of truth, Amen. the word of life to us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, since last week, I had an email from Alan suggesting that we um, go over some subjects which he felt were important. And these are sovereignty of God justification, sanctification, and glorification. Uh, I said to Alan, well, uh, sovereignty, well, what a subject. Um, I must confess that every time I've done Bible studies in this area, and we come to the sovereignty of God, it seems to become quite difficult for us as God's people to actually grasp and understand. But there are two elements that uh, these four truths, these great truths in the Word of God, are really contained in the Roman epistle. And the Roman epistle is probably the great foundation epistle of the gospel. And it's the one epistle that has been said by men of God over the centuries of the church. It is the great foundation gospel that gives us the greatest insight given us by the Apostle Paul into the whole arena of man's predicament, man's sin, uh, and his separation from God and how God has so wonderfully brought an answer to our need in giving us good news, which is, the good news is that the victory over Satan and Satan has been defeated. The announcement is a declaration, it is his news about what has been done, the gospel is about a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's not about us, and it's not a concept. It is, in fact, the gospel of God the Father who gave the Son and sent the Holy Spirit. Uh, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man have often been in conflict, but there is no conflict because God made a man in his image and he made him with a, a freedom of choice. But in, above all these things, God is sovereign. We only have to look at so many examples in scripture where man has tried to uh, interfere with, as it were, the gospel, the seed of promise. Because it says, if we look in Romans 1, you've got your Bible, you can look in Romans chapter 1. And here we have Paul opening up the gospel, and he says, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel, you notice, of God. 
doesn't say our Lord Jesus Christ is God the Father who initiated, which he promised afore by his prophets and Holy Scripture concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made, and this is important, of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead and then he um, he talks about other things in this chapter and then he we go on to the famous verses which are in 16 and 17 and 18 which are i'm not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed, from faith to faith, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. And so we have a gospel that's been sovereignly declared and proclaimed and planned Hallelujah. and purposed by God himself. He says, for therein is the righteousness. And then it says in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And I want to read these next few verses because I think they're very important. And I, I don't want to read too much, but for the invisible things, he says, of him from the creation of the world is are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are we all are without excuse he says because that when they knew god they glorified him not as god neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and the foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise they become fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-feeted beasts and creeping things. So this is the ultimate purpose of God. The ultimate, God's ultimate purpose is the redemption of mankind. And whether man, as, as Paul says in this few verses, man's without excuse because it's quite evident, he says, for the invisible things of him from the creation are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. But man decides that he doesn't want to do this. You know, when we studied Jonah, we saw some of the sovereignty of God because Jonah wanted to do something else, but God just stepped in and sent a big storm. And so it's in the same in, jo in, in Joseph's life. 
Joseph was in a way to Jacob, the eldest son, for the woman he loved. I know it's, it's difficult, these things, but we don't understand everything about God, but God chooses who he will. And this is something in the sovereignty of God that we as believers have got to actually acknowledge that he is God and that he is sovereign and he's going to do exactly what he wants to do, whether we like it or not. You know, Jesus said in John 15, 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And in 1 John 4, 10, he said, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. In the final, we wonder sometimes, and in Joseph's life, he was chosen to be that particular son of Jacob that would be used of God in the kingdom of God and to preserve that seed of promise that uh, Paul is talking about here. The son of Jesus, our Lord, his son, Jesus, our Lord, which was made, he said, of the seed of David, according to the flesh. And Joseph, his, his brothers wanted to kill him. But he was the servant of God that would preserve the seed. And, the, and this whole authority of God and sovereignty of God overruled, even when he was sold, even when he was imprisoned, because God has put something in us, like he's put in Joseph, that no matter what happens to us, if we have been chosen by God, no matter what we go through, God is going to have the final say about everything in our lives, because the, he is sovereign, he is Lord. And so suddenly David is promoted from a prison to be a prime minister, an example of the sovereignty of God. We think of the fall of Adam. If ever there was a demonstration of the wrath of God against ungodliness, it was the fall of Adam. Because, you know, when I read it and I think, oh, God had just made this magnificent man is his own image. He clothed him with the glory of God. He was so magnificent. He could remember everything, name everything. He had total dominion. And he'd given, given this covenant of works. And yet he disobeyed God. And because he disobeyed God, he immediately fell. He left, lost his glory. He lost his covering. He became naked. And he was driven out of the garden. But at that moment, God, in his sovereign will, decided to give another promise. And that is the gospel. That is Genesis 3.15. I'm going to give you a seed who's going to crush the serpent's head and it will bruise his heel. You see... No matter what man will try to do to suppress the 
gospel, whatever man would try to do to burn all the Bibles or blow up all the churches as he is in China at the moment, the gospel in China is growing at a greater rate than anywhere because God is sovereign. The gospel is the power of God. And so the Great Commission for the church is so important because if we can preach the gospel and the word of God, it's going to break and extend as Satan's dominion and extend God's kingdom. And so suddenly we find that we're in a different, we were under a covenant of works in Adam, but in Christ from Genesis 3.15, we're under a covenant of grace. As I said to you before, Tommy Hicks said, the definition of the grace of God is, it is the power source of the kingdom of God. Because when we look at the cross and we look at the suffering of Jesus and we look how he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. It says in scripture, if they had only known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But in God's sovereign will, Jesus had to be made and to become the Lamb of God. But in God's great purpose, he was slain, it says, before the foundation of the world. God's ultimate purpose. Who can stand against God? Paul says nothing. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. We've got something in us that is so powerful because grace, the old preacher said, in Genesis 3.15 was set up in the throne of God. And from that moment, that seed was moving, was becoming, and it was coming. You so in the in the, the Roman epistle, we have the gospel explained to us in great detail. And in, Gen and in Romans 3 and 4, etc. And we go on and we find that... Uh, Paul is using two greats in the kingdom of in the kingdom of God and the history of God's people. One is Abraham, and the other is David the king. Abraham, the father of the faith, David the greatest king God's people had ever had, who actually possessed every part of the land promised to Abraham. And these two understood something that we have got to understand they understood what what was spoken by god in genesis 3:15 i'm going to give you a seed to replace the first adam because he's going to become the last adam and he's not going to fail he's going to crush the serpent's head and Paul, writing in Romans, says, 
uh, in Romans 4, what shall we say then that Abraham our father has returned to flesh and found? For if Abraham were justified by works, that was what Adam had, works, he hath wear out to glory, but not before God. But what does it say? For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Hallelujah. But what did he believe? He believed that promise. Hallelujah. At last, God had got a man, oh, 10 generations later, who actually believed that he could have a seed that would be the deliverer, that would be our salvation, that would bring back everything we had lost in Adam. And it, because he believed God, he was justified. He was counted as righteousness. What a wonderful thing it is to believe what God says even if you can't see how in the world it's going to happen. You know, poor old Jacob thought that that promised boy of his, Joseph, was dead. But he wasn't dead. The sovereignty of God, the will of God was done despite every effort that Satan tried to kill him to stop that seed being preserved. Joseph is a type of Christ, isn't he? And this is what it says in Romans 4, but to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. See, God gave a covenant to, to work for Adam, but he failed to work it. He was told to take dominion, he was told to be fruitful and multiply. He was told to tend the garden of God. But he was told not to eat the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You cannot eat anything that is polluted. You cannot eat something. And now we're living in a pandemic where something is polluting people's lives and killing them every sin we learn in jonah brings a storm we're in a storm people can't go on holiday people can't visit their pub their club they can't do what they want to do because god has put them in a corner the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness. God is on the throne. You don't think God is sovereign? What did God do at the Tower of Babel then? When they thought, we're all one language, we're going to build a tower, we're going to God, we, we are gods. Yeah. And God just sent down confusion and he gave them all different languages and they just had to spread out where they could understand one another. What about the flood then? God said, I've had enough of this ungodliness. The wrath of God was revealed against this ungodliness. But he found one man, Noah. He found grace. Hallelujah. He was justified in the sight of God. 
he found a man that built a boat, an ocean liner, that must have cost an awful lot of money. Well, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you're going to have to be pay the price. You're going to have to buy without money and without price. And he built this boat and he was laughed at. He was mocked. But he and his family were saved. Yeah. What about Sodom and Gomorrah then? What about the sovereign will of God? Yes, the wrath of God revealed against all ungodliness. Sodom and Gomorrah, what destruction. Maybe Pompeii was the same. But we're not to judge people. We're just telling you what's in the word of God. The word of God is so powerful. It's quick and powerful. And Abraham said to God, what, are you going to wipe all these people out? Is there going to be 50? Is it going to be 40? Is it going to be 30? He couldn't find 10 righteous people. And the angels of God moved in. And when Jesus was on earth, he looked at that magnificent temple. That temple built rebuilt under Nehemiah, but extended by Herod and others to be a magnificent place. And Jesus said, this will be destroyed. And in three days, I'm going to rebuild it. Speaking of us, the temples of the Holy Spirit. And so we can see that in AD 70, the, the destruction and the Titus came and they were dispersed. Look at Israel. Look at the history of Israel. Think of the prophets. They prophesied to God's people and said, repent and turn to me. You know, I was reading Isaiah this week. And what a remarkable book Isaiah is. People have said it's the right in the middle of the 66 books. And it is, in fact, a mini Bible. It's got the gospel. It's full of the gospel, the good news. <laughs> and so we see working here the sovereignty God, the justice of God. But we also see the sanctifying of God, the separation. Joseph was separated from his brethren, his lovely brothers. You know, he was separated, but he never lost his faith in God. He'd got a metal in him. he got a seed in him that his father Jacob had said, we are of the seed of Abraham. We are the seed of promise. And, 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 and the other man that God has used, uses in, in Romans 4 is David. 
verse 6 it says, and even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. You see, people get hung up on the law. No, no, the law came alongside the covenant of grace. It's not law and grace, it's works and grace. Can you get this? You know, we got a church, we got movements in, in this world at the moment, and a little bit off tilter because they don't quite get the mind of God and the sovereignty of God on this matter. The thing about this is that David also believed like Abraham. He says he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he understood the covenant. As we spoke about the covenant the other day. Why is it that Christians cannot seem to understand that we are in a covenant? And yet they can take the bread and take the wine and it doesn't seem to get to their understanding as we, uh, as we looked at Psalm 91. What a tremendous covenant we're in if we can dwell in the secret place. Yeah. That's our place to be. Yet the most Christians are somewhere out in the outer court. They want God and something else. As I said before, dual worship, which we get in Gideon. Will they make Jesus sovereign Lord of their life? I have got to do it. And when, when the enemy presents something on your table of his delicacies, are you going to sit down with Satan and eat his delicacies because they are going to kill you? No. We eat at the table of the Lord. Think of Judas Iscariot at the Last Supper. His feet were washed. He sat at the covenant meal. And yet, he's... He, Jesus said, go and do what you want to do quickly. And he broke the covenant. And he says, immediately Satan entered his heart and he became a son of perdition. Look here. You can't break God's covenant and get away with it. You're not going to get away with it. Look here, God has made all things well for us in Christ. There's no gray area with God. God has called us to a holy calling, to be separated so that we can understand the sovereignty of God. If we can understand that by his body and blood, and as we put our faith in him, he chooses us, he sees our heart. We are separated unto the gospel, separated unto him. And then there's hope for the church that we will have the glory, that without it we won't.
God will not give his glory to anything other than what he's provided in the gospel. This gospel is the blessedness, saying, blessed are they, David said, whose iniquities are forgiven yeah. and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And then he says about the circumcision and about Abraham and the law and all these things. And then he talks about Abraham and how he staggered not at the promise of God. Do you know there's a verse of scripture and it's found in, in uh, Ephesians. And this verse of scripture in Ephesians says, in Ephesians 1.4, According as he hath chosen us, in him before the foundation of the world that we should be what holy yeah. and without blame before him in love some of the great preachers have said that is the purpose of the gospel we have been brought chosen Hallelujah. in him before the foundation of the world. I can only say that is the sovereign will of God. You see, we cannot, what we've got to understand is that the grace of God, you know, there are a lot of people who say, oh, well, what is it that makes a person a Christian? But many people will say, but, but note that this is not the first, but you see, this is the whole point. Have received the blessing because they believe. Hang on a minute. This is not what this scripture says, not just because you believe. Or they've given themselves or accepted him as their personal savior. Of course, that is involved. But Paul does not start at this Neither does he actually start with the work of the Holy of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Think about this. Many would probably put that in the first place. They would say that all this has become possible for us because of what the Lord Jesus did for us when he came into the world in his life and death and resurrection and what he's still doing. But the apostle does not put that first. Indeed, we observe he doesn't start with anything that has happened in time and in this world. He goes right back, right back into eternity before the foundation of the world. And he starts with that which has been done by who? God the Father. That is the sovereignty of God. This is a staggering thought. And it's entirely consistent with the Bible. It is just here that we all tend to go astray. Although we have an open Bible before us, we still tend to base our ideas on our own thoughts and instead of the Bible. What is this in Romans 1? 
the gospel of God, God the Father. The Bible always starts with God the Father, and we will not start anywhere else. The Bible ultimately is a revelation and a record and an explanation of what God has done for the salvation of mind of man. The Bible is the revelation of God's gracious purpose towards a will, a world of sinful man, a revelation. And this is what accounts for this extraordinary that God is promised to do what God began to do and what God has actually done. What he is going to do and the amazing outcome of it all. He says in 2 Peter 1 thing, in 2 Peter 1 and 2, and here he's teaching us, Peter, in the words we believed and inspired Holy men, he said, of God spake as they were moved by the whole Holy Ghost. This is in the entire Bible. The teaching is that we enjoy all these spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Why? Because we have been chosen by God to do so. It's according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. This is the sovereignty of God. This is the explanation. How does, so the result of the fall, having listened to the suggestion of the devil, Adam had fallen away from God, and he's under the wrath of God and the judgment. How is it then that any person can ever come out of this mess, this morass, the answer is that God has chosen such a person to be delivered from it unto salvation. This is profoundly difficult. It's a profoundly mysterious subject. But how do we face this? How do we face up to this question? Some indeed do not believe in facing it. And they've rejected it. The liberals the higher critics. They cannot understand how God could be sovereign and yet we got a free will. But God is all-knowing. God knows everything about everything. He knows about your heart. He knows about my heart. He knows about any, every, every one of us. And this is the whole problem for us. You cannot question the holiness and righteousness of God. Otherwise, you're, you're in trouble. You're like Jonah. Jonah said to God, it's, it's not right for you. It's not righteous for you to send me to these evil people to preach. You would never send any other prophet to those people. Why me? It's not fair. And he does a runner. No, you cannot possibly question God. It, it's impossible to do that. And, and, and here is the problem. And there's a verse of scripture I want to read if I can get, find it. And this is this verse of scripture. It's found in 
the epistle of Hebrews 1, it says, We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, how? Through sanctification of the Spirit, unto what? Obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, we have to go to this word and, and, and consider it. It says also, Paul says in the second epistle to the Thessalonians 2, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. How? Through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel, to what? To the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 8.30, Paul says, we jump from sanctification to glorification. What does the Shorter Catechism say? It says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Well, if you call yourself a Christian and you're not glorifying God and you're not enjoying him, there's something wrong. We've all got to examine ourselves. You know, we've been put in lockdown. Well, maybe it's a time to have a jolly good look at yourself and see what you believe is actually the gospel or some imaginary gospel that you, you thought up. There are a lot of people who think it's their faith that saved them. Oh, really? No, it's not your faith that saved you. Everything in the gospel is a gift. It's a gift of God. And even the faith you've got is not your faith. Paul Peter says to every man is given, Paul said, the measure of faith. When you make a decision and God sees your heart and you truly, he gives you a measure of his faith. And this is the faith. This is the victory. That faith that God, it, he will overcome the world. Why? Because it's God's faith. Hallelujah. This is the gospel. We've all got to come to understand this. In no wonder Timothy said to Paul, great is the mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. These things are something we have to do. Paul says in Ephesians, you hath he quickened who were dead. Can a person quicken himself? No. God has to quicken you. God has quickened me. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in this children of disobedience. Notice this, dead in trespasses and sins and quickened. You have been quickened. What does he say? 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, 
for their foolishness unto him. And you see, he goes on to say that this gospel in Corinthians is hid until the light of the glory of the gospel comes in. In other words, the real nature of sin and the consequences of sin, for in the reality it serves that we're in such a position, the respect of sin, that we are utterly helpless totally incapable of doing anything for ourselves in the matter of salvation. That is what sin has done to man. That in the depths to which sin has taken man, he is completely estranged from God. The scripture says, the carnal mind is enmity against God. Is enmity against God. And I believe, you know, that in these days, the God will restore the fullness of the gospel to us. This is the gospel that Paul preached. This is the Roman epistle. This is the Ephesian epistle. We start in Romans at the ground floor of truth, and we can ascend into the heavenlies because God has called us there to be with him. Great is the mystery of godliness. Yes, whatever situation you're in, you better not manufacture your own gospel because it won't work. But if you can get hold of the truth, what does John, John, John say in John 17, 17? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I believe you know that God is going to get to us an understanding that no matter what happens, if we can believe this gospel, that it is the power of God unto salvation. No matter whatever situation that you have to come under. I love this verse. The second epistle to Thessalonians chapter 2. God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth whereunto is called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory Hallelujah. of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord. Jesus has fulfilled every feast, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. I keep talking about this, I know. But Jesus, Jesus has fulfilled everything. You have the tremendous privilege of going to your Heavenly Father every day. God has made a way for us where there is no way. Let me read to you in closing. Here we see Paul speaking in the Roman epistle. And he's telling us. 
And he comes in in Romans 8, it said, in verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And then he says these wonderful words, moreover whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Then he says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Ye rather is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep of the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus. We are in a tremendous, God has given us a tremendous covenant. It cannot it, God cannot break his side of it, but you can break your side of it. You better make sure you keep your side of it. Because he says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, what does he say? You shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, the body, you shall live Hallelujah. for as many as are led by the spirit of god they're the sons of god for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry abba father, abba, father. the spirit itself bears witness with our spirits we are the children of God. Hallelujah. And if children, then we're heirs, mm. heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. If so be that we suffer with him, 
that we shall be also glorified with him. Hallelujah. What a tremendous gospel God has given to us. But we have to understand yeah. that God is sovereign. He's given us a covenant. He's given us a new covenant. It cannot fail. But what you must do is what Paul said then there. If you live it for the flesh, you will die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you will live. Do you know, some people think they can play fast and loose with God. But as one of the great preachers in the Victorian age said, and Henry was always saying, enter in. We have to find in our lives, as, as we said in Psalm 91, that secret place. You must find your secret place. That is the holiest of all. This is Hebrew epistle. You can enter in because of the covenant, because of the body and the blood of Jesus. And you can find at that mercy seat grace, empowerment to help you in your time of need. Amen. We have got to grasp that our part is so important. No wonder Paul said that it is labor to enter the rest. You have a spiritual service. You have been called of God. You've been separated. You've been sanctified. You've been segregated from the world. We are not of this world. We don't belong here. We're only pilgrims. And this is what Paul said. And these are strong words. This is the sovereignty of God. In Romans 9. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come. And Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived, even by her father Isaac. And this is a statement. And this is difficult, I know, but this is the word of God. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand and here is the word again not of works but of him that calleth it was said unto her the elder shall serve the younger as it's written jacob have i loved but esau have i hated and then there's the question what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Paul says, God forbid. For what said he to Moses? I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. 
that is the sovereign will of God, the ultimate purpose of the gospel, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. That's why you better fear God. It's a fearful thing, the word of God says, to fall into the hands of the living God. It's like when Moses saw that bush burning, and God said to him when he turned aside, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. God wants holiness. Remember that scripture in Ephesians 1, 4. Chosen before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and blameless before God. Without holiness, no man shall see God. God has given us his righteousness. As Billy Graham always used to preach and he preached, he said, you're naked in your sinfulness. But when you receive Christ, he clothes you with his righteousness. Hallelujah. And he does not see you, but he sees the righteousness of his son. And you're accepted in the beloved. What a wonderful thing. So that it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God it shows mercy. Yeah. That's why we need the secret place, because the secret place is where the mercy seat is, and that's where we obtain mercy. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I would not be here tonight, but oh, for the mercy of God. Hallelujah. God is so merciful. So wonderful. I have failed, and maybe you have failed. But when you uh, repent and come to that mercy seat, you receive what? Grace. The empowerment to help you in your time of need. Yeah. Yeah. Therefore, he says in verse 18, Hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will harden? Wilt thou say then to me, why did he yet find fault? Then Paul says, for who hath resisted the will of God? Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why have you made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel to honour and another vessel to dishonour? What if God, willing to show his wrath, to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction? that he might make known. 
Oh, this is it. What the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Do you know, many people stumble over this. Paul says, as is it written in 33, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offence. But he says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Hallelujah. So think about these things. God is sovereign. The ultimate purpose of God is that all should come to salvation, that God has died for the whole world. There is no conflict between sovereignty and free will. And I know it's a big subject. It takes some thinking about, and I'm just skirting over the top of it. But as you wait upon this and you read these, the Roman epistle, as you read Ephesians, as you read Peter, as you read Paul, Timothy, as you read these epistles and you come with a seeking heart, God the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the depth. What does Paul say? What is that wonderful prayer? And I'll close with this because it's getting late. That the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Why did he pray this? Because this salvation is so much bigger than you and I can grasp. It's going to take all eternity to get hold of this. He says that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the the exceeding greatness of his power to us will to believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities, power and might and dominion every named not only in world but also in that which is to come and he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all Amen. Amen. lord we thank you tonight Hallelujah. for your word Lord, as we come around your word, we are amazed at that you have your ultimate purpose is that all men would repent.
and come to salvation. And that you've told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We pray, Lord, that you will quicken each one of us. For Lord, as Henry used to say, a true witness delivers souls. God cannot use unsanctified people to preach an effective gospel. They got to be separated. They got to be sanctified. They got to be holy. They got to be right. Lord, we pray that you would do a work in us and your people that we would truly be salt and light. That, Lord, you will fill us again with your Holy Spirit and enable us to be witnesses in this dark world, in this time when men's hearts are failing them for fear, when people are committing suicide in lockdown. Lord, we realize in our country now that man must needs turn towards God. We pray, Lord, for an outpouring, an awakening in the church, Lord, to the truth of the true gospel, not a watered-down gospel, not a milky gospel, but a meaty, strong gospel. You said to Peter on the beach, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Lord, we thank you for your word that strengthens us. The entrance of your word brings light. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. Sanctify us, Lord, through your word, for your word is truth. We thank you in Jesus' name. We pray that your presence and power will rest upon your people as we've gathered around your word tonight. Amen. That your name will be glorified. Hallelujah. That your name will be lifted up. Yes. Henry used to keep quoting. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Help us, Lord, to be the people you've called us to be and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.